And I thought, maybe they didn't see me do it. Yeah, they did. Yeah. But that's that's that feeling when we know there's punishment coming. We, we, we want to get away from it. There's no way to get away from it. I want you to know that if you ask Jesus in your heart, you don't have to feel like that about the curse the Bible says we have. Jesus will care about curse. And we don't have to care about it either one All right? So I want you to stick with you, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Hope you'll listen in with your thoughts and comments this morning. Thanks. You can head back, and the defense is going to come and have our prayer time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this congregation. Lord, I thank you for each member of pray for each member might be hurting in any way, shape, or form. It's physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever. Through this time, there's so many different hurts here. Lord, I pray that we as a congregation can build one another up here. And, and not just build one another in this body up here, but we, we as a body lift each other up and then we'll pray again. Lord, give us ears to listen and eyes to see where you want where you want to minister through us. And I thank you for these times that we hear you speaking to us, whether it be helping someone along the side of the road with a flat tire and then seeing how your hands at work we're realizing it's another member's co-worker that you helped and not even have any clue. And I pray for that person, that someday they might come here to join us, even just one Sunday morning. And Lord, I thank you for the way that this church has ministered in the past years ago, uh, from the white building out along the road to this building, the new addition, whatever this building. Words, we look to the future. We look to you to lead us so that we can use our hands, our ears, our eyes, and let them do your work. It's not our work, but we're doing it through your work. So I pray your blessing over this congregation and help us to see where you want to lead us, not where we want to go. And I just pray for Dwight as he comes and ministers to that you would speak your words through him today and lead him down. Thank you and praise for all you have done, will do, and are doing. How many enjoyed the beautiful spring weather this past week? I certainly did. Uh, Numbers are down any for anyone that forgot to change the time and left in a little bit or not. Um, maybe we'll find that out next week to kind of share that. But um, I'm excited about that because that means tonight, instead of getting dark at 6 o'clock, we'll be dark at 7 o'clock. And to me, there's just something special about the days being light a little bit longer, it makes things a little bit brighter. Uh, and I actually read uh, last night an article that said there's a bill being presented 
time if it does stay, but we'll, we'll see what happens. But anyways, all this thought about warm weather and um, time changing things makes me think of summer, and in summer this is camping, right? So I read a story this week. At summer camp, one of the counselors was taking their group for a nature walk, and as they walked around, they were discussing all the things God had made and how he had made a purpose for each one of those things in his creation, that there was something special or a reason for why it was made. And they found good reasons for lots of things, things like the clouds and the trees and different plants, even rocks and animals that they saw. And then one of the campers saw something that said, if God made everything for a good purpose, why in the world did he make fruits and ivy? And the counselor was a little stumped and, and, and kind of began to stutter and stumble a little bit until one of the other campers spoke up and said, I know, I know. The reason God made poison ivy is he wanted us to know there's some things we should just keep our pocket hands off of. <laughs> well, there is some truth in that statement, as we'll see as we get into this morning. Um, there's some reasons why we have such a poison ivy. And as I shared with the young people, uh, we're only three weeks away uh, from Easter, uh, counting today with four Sundays. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm getting excited. Growing up, uh, most of my life, I was probably more excited about Christmas than I was about Easter. And I was trying to reflect this week on why that was. And, and I think it's because of how much um, family and church gathering there was at Christmas. The tents, not that we don't have family gatherings and things at Easter, but there seems to be more of them. For me, that was always a special time. I came, both sides, most of my parents came from large families, and so when we got together, it was a, it was a lot of us. I had, between the two families, I had 50 first cousins. Um, so it was a good time. Um, but I'm really getting excited this year for Easter. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do. And I'm convinced that in the light of this last year that we went through, that people are searching, people are hungry. People want answers. And I think God wants to do something special this Easter uh, and bring them in. That's why I'm excited about this chili event, why I'm excited about the Easter egg hunt things, because we have an opportunity to invite folks who are looking for those answers to come and see. So I hope that you'll be sharing them with your family, your neighbors, your friends, and encourage them to come. But our next four sermons. Are going to be connected to Easter. And uh, if, if I prayed about what, what direction you go, I really felt that's, that's what we need to do. And specifically, we're going to be looking at what Jesus looked at. Um, sorry, that was loud, not very readable up there. I'm not sure why. Um, up there on the computer, but not so good there. Anyways, what Jesus took from us. Doesn't that sound a little odd? We usually talk about what did give us. Um, and often we think about something being taken away as maybe not so good as we found out with the kids a little bit ago. But there are some things that are good. And back at Christmas we talked about the gift exchange as we remember. Gifts that God gave us in exchange for something we didn't want. Um, but for the next four weeks we're going to be talking about things that God took from us. And so I want to start out by talking how many like raspberries? I love fresh air. Uh, 
So fresh raspberries are one of my favorites. Um, have you ever picked raspberries? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What happens when you pick raspberries? Well, yeah, your fingers get purple. What else happens? They go in your mouth instead of the rocks. Thorns. Yeah. I don't know about you, but when I pick raspberries and I come in, I usually have blood running in my hand. Because as you reach in for the fruit, you find something that you weren't expecting, you didn't see it, but it scratches your hands all up. And some of us have nice ultra raspberries like Ken. He's got these beautiful rows of them just tied up, and it should be a little bit easier to get to them. But when I was a kid, we used to go up to the woods and pick the wild raspberries. And there's not much order to them. When you get to the ones in the center, what do you do? into the middle of them, um, and um, you get you get all bloodied up and jaggered up to get something good. And uh, there's a reason for that. There's a reason why we have to go through that. And it's part of the curse that we were talking about with the young people. And uh, Genesis 3 kind of gives us that beginning picture. And we've been in Genesis 3 a couple times since I've been here talking about the fall and Adam and Eve. And this is some of the consequences of the choices Adam and Eve made. It says, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants. And so we see that one of the specific things God said as a result of sin is that it was cursed. And it will be reflected in the land. And it's now going to have thorns and thistles and things that make harvesting not as pleasant, not as easy as it used to be. Um, that's, that's part of the curse. And thorns throughout Scripture are used not as a symbol for sin, but as a curse for of this passage here, where it started, it's, it's a symbol. It's a reminder that sin has painful consequences. And so we're going to turn to, to Deuteronomy <coughs> that not only is the ground cursed, but so are we. Part of what happened at the fall was that we received a curse because we couldn't live up to the standard. And we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and we're not going to read the whole thing, but Verses 15 to 45 is a list of curses that Moses shared with the Israelites. If you don't keep this, you're cursed. If you don't keep this, you're cursed. And so on. So I'm just going to read a few here, starting at verse 15. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all the commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake and then we have the list. So he says, if you don't keep the command, all of these things are going to happen. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your eating trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. The crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. <coughs> the Lord will send on your curses, confusion, and confusion, and everything you put in until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done for Satan. 
And it goes on and on for another 30 verses there. Of things that it's got to consequences of our sin of not being able to follow everything that the law says. And as I said with the young people, is there anyone who keeps every commandment? So if we can't keep those commands, then we are under these curses that are listed with the Deuteronomy 28. Perhaps now would be a good time for us to explore a little bit more of what a curse is. We talked a little bit about it with the young people. We think it's trouble or punishment that comes. The specific dictionary definition is a curse is to wish or invoke evil, calamity, injury, or destruction upon someone. In the Bible, specifically, that destruction means that something is despised. Something is devoted to destruction. It's doomed. So when we read this curse here in Deuteronomy and other places, what it really means is to be cursed by God means you're set for doom or destruction. That's our path because of sin. Thanks for having this good news. So we'll turn over to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to read some of the events that took place right before the crucifixion. Matthew 27, verses 27 to 31. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him, took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe, put on his, his own clothes on him, and they led him away. There's two things in those verses we just read that indicate that Jesus took our place. First of all is the crown of thorns on his head. Have you ever wondered why Jesus wore a crown of thorns? Was it just because these soldiers thought it would be funny to mock a king so they made whatever they could find into a crown? I think there's a little bit more to it. As I thought about that question this week, I did a little research. I tried to find out if anyone else in history has ever worn a crown thorn. Was that something typical of Roman crucifixion at all? Did others suffer that? <coughs> Were there other times in history when someone may have worn a crown of thorns? I could not find one single instance in history other than Jesus of someone being That makes it significant. I think there's something important here. And the soldiers, without knowing, took the symbol of our curse that God said, Cursed be the ground, and they will now grow thorns and thistles. And God, through these men unknowing, used that symbol of our curse and placed it on Jesus' head as a way of saying, He's taken our place. 
He's taking our place, our punishment, our destruction, our doom that we deserve is now upon Jesus. But there's another part. At the end of the verse, it says he was led away to be crucified. And we know the crucifixion of being placed on the cross, hanging on the tree, is, is how they died. And we're going to see that that's a symbol of the curse as well. Back in Deuteronomy, where we were reading all those other curses, chapter 21, it talks about hanging on a tree as being a symbol of a curse. If you want to turn with Joe with me, you can. We're going to read two verses. If a man guilty of a capital offense is put to death and his body is hung on a tree, you must not leave his body on the tree overnight. Be sure to bury him that same day, because anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's place. You must not desecrate the land the Lord your God has given you. So way back in the beginning of the Israelite nation, God said, anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. Are they cursed because they were put there? No. They were put there because they're cursed. They have done something against God's law, something so significant that they deserve death. And then they were hung up as a witness to everybody else. This person was accursed by God. They were not faithful to him. They did not follow what he instructed them. This is his law. It was a warning. It was to show that this man was cursed for what they had done. And so when Jesus died on the cross, as these verses have already told us, Jesus was taking our curse. He wasn't cursed because he was on the tree. He was on the tree because he was cursed. And that was taking our place. This is confirmed in Galatians that we've already read. Uh, the young people in our worship here, and I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation, just to have a little different take. Galatians 3, 10-14 But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on the through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So these verses clearly tell us that, yes, indeed, Jesus was taking our place. 
by being wearing this crown of thorns, by being placed in on this tree, he was now cursed by God in that place. He received the, the doom and the punishment that he deserved. But there's more. There's a significance. We didn't talk about it yet, but back in Deuteronomy, when we read those verses about the one who was cursed, it said, take him down to the end of the day. Don't let him continue to hang there. And it was a symbol of God's mercy. He didn't want the land to be defiled, is what scripture says. He didn't want that those people to continue to hang there and, and continue um, to rot and smell bad and defile the land around it. But he also didn't want the people, the families uh, of the one that was cursed, to continue to see that and continue to be humiliated and shamed and cursed. So God's word was to hang him there, to just place him hang on the tree, and then to bury his body, and then of course he rose. It was true here with Jesus as well. When Jesus was taken down from the cross, God's wrath was satisfied. It was done. The family of Jesus doesn't need to carry pressures anymore. We don't need to carry any humiliation or burden or worry. God's wrath against us is satisfied. And more than that, verse 14 says that we are given his blessing and his spirit. We are now washed. I've talked about with the young people. We all have those moments where we know we've done something wrong and we're anticipating the results and the consequences of that wrong. And we know it won't be pleasant. Some of us have done things in life that we maybe think just can't be forgiven. There's no way I'm free from God's wrath on us. We continue to ask for forgiveness and we continue to try to do good things to make up for it. Or Verses tell us that doesn't need to be. We are free from God's wrath because Jesus took our place. He did not merely deliver us from mediocrity or emotional difficulty. He delivered us from that unendable wrath of God that should have gone uncomprehended. Our ultimate fate is not decay. message today is a lot shorter than some. Just one of four. But what we received way back at the beginning is no longer our responsibility. That curse no longer sits in effect if we are able to take it. And each of the messages over the next four weeks are going to focus on what Jesus is taking away from us that we never really wanted or could have taken. And point to the fact that we need to find that relationship with Jesus in order for that to happen. So I pray that these words will speak to your heart, that you'll contemplate whether you're out from under the God.
sacrifice that we saw. As we wrap this message up, I asked someone to bring one of those thorn bushes from a raspberry. Right now it's it's just coming out of winter and it's all dried up and yellow and filled with it's easy to see the briars and no beans and the bears being attractive. But I want you to think about each time you may step on a thistle. Maybe it's morning and Sunday. Maybe it's with a rose bush and like the sunset. Maybe it's out by your outline and you walk through the brambles. Each time you come in contact with a thorn or a thistle or a poison ivy or something else doesn't seem to have a good purpose. Its purpose now is to remind you. One final note. We don't have to face God's wrath. We may face the wrath of unbelievers. If we stand up for this truth that we believe, we may indeed face wrath, displeasure, discomfort from those around us. We shouldn't worry about it. As you enjoy the feast, we come beside Jesus. He has not done what we know of a good thing in his life. His life has led to a just punishment. But his reward is simply saying, Jesus, let me be with you. His wrath just died. And that's God's wrath removed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words today. We pray that you would use them. To speak to our hearts about your goodness and your provision. Lord, you were just in giving a curse for our sins. And you deserve punishment. In your grace, in your wisdom, you chose your son to receive that. Stand with us for the closing song if you'd like. You'll see that.